Hello and welcome to this bonus episode of Asian Matters. I'm Izzy Clark, the producer of this series from the Bertarelli Foundation, and these bonus podcasts are a chance for us to revisit topics and explore extra content from the main episodes. In episode four, we heard about our plastic pollution problem and the potential solutions to break it down and minimise our use of this wonder material. But how much of a problem are microplastics? I'm joined by Dr Imogen Napper from the University of Plymouth, who studies microplastics and how they're getting into our water sources. Hi Imogen, how are you? Hi there, good thank you, how are you? Yeah, all right, thanks. So before we get onto your work, can you recap for us, what are microplastics? So microplastics are tiny bits of plastics, basically, and they're defined by being less than five millimetres in length. And they can come from two different sources. They can come from primary, which means that they've been made to be that size. So think about microbeads in facial scrubs or secondary, meaning that they have degraded from a larger item. So imagine some plastic flakes coming off a plastic bottle that's potentially been on the beach for a while. Okay, and so we've got a few examples there, but you know, how common are microplastics and where else do we see them coming from, say, in our everyday life? I think I'm continued to be surprised at where microplastics are and where they come from. It's really eye-opening to think that you could be wearing plastic because when I when I think of plastic, I originally well, I automatically think of maybe a plastic bottle or food packaging, but actually plastic can be the clothes that we wear and the sofas that we sit on, carpets. Uh, I'd encourage everyone to just look around the room that they're in and you can spot plastic nearly everywhere. And it's a fantastic material and it's really revolutionised our, our lifestyles and propelled our our lifestyles forward but it's how much we make and especially how much in terms of single-use applications which means we make a lot of waste. Yeah and obviously this podcast is all about the ocean so how has your work tried to unpick this looking at microplastics in our water systems? So it can seem like a, a really complex problem and and it is but what I've really enjoyed is looking at a specific problem and understanding how we can try and make that one specific problem better and trying to understand it more. So my first research piece was looking at microbeads in cosmetics. Originally, I probably thought that there would be a couple of hundred microbeads in in a product. So microbeads were tiny plastic particles, these microplastics we keep discussing, that were put into facial scrubs to act as abrasants, so to get dead skin cells off and make our skin feel really smooth. And truth be told, I actually used to use some of these products and I just never considered that there would be plastic in there. But we did some research looking at how many could be in one bottle and we found that there could be up to 3 million. So on a squirt on your hand, there could be up to 10,000. So you're washing your face, they go down the drain, potentially through the sewer stream works and then into our ocean. But we were able to use this research, and this is the most exciting part, make, make change and influence from it. So consumers like you and me were able to go to the supermarket and have a choice in what we were doing. So we could look on the back of an ingredients list. If it said polyethylene, then we wouldn't buy it. And we can get a natural alternative instead that was at the same cost range, if not cheaper. Then industry started to listen because 
it was becoming very unpopular to have plastic in their products, understandably. So they started to voluntarily remove microbeads. And then governments around the world were influenced by this research and started to ban microbeads directly. So it shows how research can have a really powerful and positive change in really concentrating your efforts into one area. Absolutely. I mean, how does it feel to see such a significant change happen from your research? Starting on a PhD, looking at microplastics in facial scrubs to then, you know, nationwide policy bans, that's that's quite something. <laughs> it, was, it was exactly the reason why I wanted to get into research is to make a positive change and being part of the cog in the, the large system of making change and working with other fantastic charities like the Marine Conservation Society and Beat the Microbead and working with consumers and just teaching people because education is power at the end of the day. And if people know that they have a choice... And that's how they're going to make the most positive actions. If we go back to, say, microbeads, for example, you know, you're saying that there's three million tiny pieces of plastic in just one bottle. That's astonishing. And if you think about all of the people that might be buying products like that when we were allowed to. So where do these end up? We've talked about the oceans. Is it just the ocean or does it? Can can it get further than that? Where do they go? So plastics have been found in the deep sea. And we recently did some research that found microplastics on Mount Everest, which to me is still really surprising. Originally, I thought that it was a joke when my boss asked me if we wanted the samples. Um, <laughs> and then lo and behold, that, that you know we managed to get some samples a few, few months later. We got snow samples. But the scary thing was that in every single snow sample, we found microplastic and the majority was microfibers. So we predict has come from clothing and the climbers that are, are trekking up the mountain. And how does that compare to the sort of amounts that we see in our ocean in terms of how many you could find in your in snow samples? So we're able to look at where the plastic was compared to where people were. So in Everest Base Camp, we found the most, which is about 70 microplastics per litre of snow. And Everest Base Camp is where you expect people to be resting and building themselves up for the big climb. But even towards the balcony, which is just below the summit, a couple of hundred metres below, we're finding 10 microplastics per litre of snow. And these samples actually got a Guinness World Record for being the highest samples uh, collected for microplastics before, which is quite exciting it's a weird one because we, we said do we celebrate this it feels quite weird to celebrate but c celebrating the the impact that research can have so people can be aware that we're polluting the environment and we need to make a change in terms of how much it compares to the ocean the ocean is as you would expect but it can dilute the samples just because it's so big and fast but we're finding it from the deep sea to the surface water column so it's, it's really everywhere. And that's why we need to make a change. It's a pretty grim picture. Microplastics are everywhere. So what are the solutions out there to try and limit that damage? Obviously, if we've all got our you know, polyester clothing, we, we're washing things, we're using plastics which break down, what can we be doing to minimise the impact of our plastic use? The research that we've done at the University of Plymouth has really shown me that making small changes in your life can still have a huge impact. And I know that sounds cliche, but it's really true. 
that in the past, if you went to the supermarket and you saw facial scrubs that contain microbeads, in that moment, you would refuse it and you'd get a natural alternative instead, which would be of similar price. And by you doing that, you could be stopping millions of tiny microbeads, these microplastics entering the ocean. And other little things like only washing your clothes when you need to, because our clothes can be made out of plastic. So when you wash them, tiny fibers can come off them as well. Picking up litter in the street if it's safe to do so, so it doesn't make its way into a waterway or the natural environment. And as we discussed, this plastic can potentially break down into thousands of tiny bits, these microplastics from a secondary source. And something that I'm very passionate about at the moment is working with industry to identify where the solutions are. So back on the clothing, we did some research and it, it took hours and I sat next to this washing machine for what seemed weeks and weeks and months. And the clothes that we tested were main brand clothes that we're likely to buy in day-to-day life, like polyester, acrylic, polyester cotton blend. This t-shirt that I'm wearing is actually polyester, so it's completely plastic. And when they're swishing and swirling around in the washing machine, tiny fibres can come off. And then like the microbeads, go down the wastewater, potentially through the sewage treatment work and then into our oceans. So we found that 700,000 fibres could come off our clothes in the typical clothes wash. Have you multiplied that for your town, a city? How many times do you wash your clothes per week, per year? That's a huge proportion of microfibers potentially entering our natural environment. So we knew that this was a problem, but then we wanted to do research to look at what the solutions could be. So first of all, the solution could be looking at how industry and manufacturers could design our clothes better so that they shed less plastics in the first place. That would be the ideal solution. But then we also tested different solutions that were incorporated into the washing machine. So we tested six devices, three that were aimed to go into the washing machine drum, such as a guppy bag, which is a mesh bag, which you put your clothes in. The mesh would stop the fibers being released. And we also tested something like a Cora ball, which is like a, a ball that's like a cactus that has little prongs on that aim to capture the fibers. And then we also tested devices that would be included into the infrastructure of the washing machine itself. And we found that there was a large variety on how successful they were, but two of the products actually significantly reduced microfibers entering the wastewater, which then in turn would stop them entering our environment. So it could be the future of washing our clothes, but it shows us just how effective industry and research partnerships can be into making a situation better. And how do you feel about the plastic problem? What do you think the next steps are and what what do you think about when we look towards the future of plastic? So when I was growing up, I grew up in a small seaside town called Clevedon, which is near Bristol. And growing up, I never remember there being any plastic on the beach. I could go back to the same beaches now where I grew up and I see plastic there and there's, there's beach cleans. And I don't even remember there being beach cleans when I was younger. And going to some of the local beaches where I live now in Plymouth, there's a beach called Whitsand Bay. And after the storms, it looks like it's just covered in confetti of plastic bits. And you wonder where all of this plastic has come from. And it can seem very doom and gloom sometimes. But if you remember that there's so many great initiatives and discussions of how we're going forward to keep our environment clean. So Yes, we need to work harder and yes, we need to work with industry and governments to be quicker and make some more brash decisions. But we can also remember that the small choices that we make in our everyday life can still have a huge positive impact to the environment. 
Dr. Imogen Napper, thanks very much. And that's it for this bonus episode. If you haven't already, then please subscribe to Ocean Matters so you're the first to know when we have a new episode out. And next time, we'll be exploring the depths of our ocean. I'm Izzy Clark, and Ocean Matters is a fresh air production for the Bertarelli Foundation.